The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to this show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. If you want, you can give me a call. All you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. You should be able to um, get in. We have, uh, let's see, four open lines, wide open, if you want to give me a call. Also, if you like watching and participating in the chat that goes on with the, uh, the others who watch the show, uh, you can uh, just go to rumble.com, rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live. You can also go to YouTube and look up Matt Slick Live and you'll find uh, a channel there too. And people get in and a lot of chats. It's live chat. And so we've uh, actually developed some friendships out of out of some of those. Pretty cool. All right. So the Hamas stuff. Uh, we'll have to talk about that a little bit. And uh, uh, I'm just going to say it right out. I, you know, me, I just jump to the, you know, just jump right in. Uh, it, relig- uh, excuse me, Islam is not a religion of peace, uh, ladies and gentlemen. People will say that, but it's not. Um, they're either lying to you or they're ignorant. Uh, that's just it. it. Islam does teach violence and it does teach destruction. It does teach the subjugation of, of the world. And um, it just does. And people just don't know this. What I'm going to do is read uh, some information about Islam, some statistics. Oh, I've got a yawn coming on. Sorry about that. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, so, uh, when, when, uh, let me get to it. Where is this thing right here? Looking for something. Oh, man, that doesn't matter. So, uh, let's just say that when Muslims become uh, a large population, part of the population of a, of a country, uh, the country gets more deadly. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, that's what happens. And the reason is because the Quran in Surah 9 teaches violence. And so what I'm going to do, let me share my screen here, if I can get to this. Uh, I get in late, late to the show almost. In, well, I made it, but you know. So what I'm going to do right now is, uh, is share my screen for the people who want to see. And go oh, here we go, there we go. All right. And we'll do this. Oh, come on. There we go. And I am going to uh, just share some stuff on Islam. I think I can get to that right there, and it'll still do the Islam thing. I'm going to go to Surah 9 and read out of what uh, what it says, what the Quran actually says. It is uh, it's a bad religion. It's an evil religion, and, and it is. You know, I know that this is not what a lot of people want to hear, but it is. So... Uh, people's going to know. You know, I'm so tired of the politically correct crud that goes on, and you don't offend anybody. Don't say anything negative. You know, it's just a way of hiding truth, and uh, it's it's really sad. But um, anyway, look. So this is how it works in Islam, uh, in the Quran. There are 114 surahs or chapters. Roughly, they're range from the biggest to the smallest, not chronological. And the last one is 114. Excuse me. But Surah chapter 9 is the second to last surah 
It's the second to last that was written. This is important because it means then that uh, the one that's after it, which is only like three or four surah, uh, ayat uh, verses long, it doesn't say anything that's of any importance. It just says, you know, serve Allah, blah, blah, blah. And uh, there's nothing really there. So, um, because it says, uh, seek refuge from the Lord, the King, the God, mischief, you know. So that's not the last surah. The reason I keep talking about this, what's the last surah, is because the last surah is the one that is the final word. The second to last is the final word unless it is corrected or modified by the one that comes after it chronologically. Not by the arrangement in the Quran, but chronologically. So Surah 9 is the second to last Surah written. And the very last Surah doesn't abrogate, remove, change, or alter, or prevent anything in Surah 9. And this is what it says in Surah 9.5. But when the forbidden months are past, then fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them and seize them, beleaguer them, and lie in wait for them in every stratagem. But if they repent and establish regular prayers and practice regular charity, then open the way for them. For Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. So, uh, when you talk about this, Muslims, the Muslim defenders of their, their faith, what they'll do is they'll say, that's under certain, certain circumstances. And it doesn't mean that they go out and be the aggressors. So, yes, it does. Because one of the things they won't tell you is that the imam, the dominant imam in the area, will interpret it and decide to tell you what it means in that context at that time. So, the meanings can change. And then you have what's called the um, tasfir. And those are uh, the commentaries that are done by Muslims. And you'll find a host of different interpretations. But one of the things that's important to understand is that the Imams are the ones who interpret it and tell Muslims what to do. And so Surah 9 is the final uh, revelation of Allah, they say, believe, through Muhammad to to the Muslims. And uh, in regard to, you know, to fighting and war, there's nothing else after that. So it says in verse 14, Fight them and Allah will punish them by your hands. Cover them with shame. Help you to victory over them. Heal the breasts of believers. And then in uh, Surah 29, uh, Fight those who believe not in Allah. Now I was on the set of ABN Sat TV and uh, a guy named Doc Duke, I should get him on the air sometime. Wait, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just call him up and see if he can come on the air tomorrow or this week and we can talk about what Islam is teaching. He speaks Arabic, and he goes about uh, teaching. I mean, he knows stuff. He's forgotten more in the past 20 minutes than I've ever learned on Islam. We were sitting on the set during a break, and he said that the word fight there in Surah 929, fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day. The word fight there means to kill. Fight to kill. So fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his apostle, nor acknowledge the religion of truth. So um, Islam does teach this. Now, luckily, only 18% of the population of Muslims uh, reads the Quran in its original language. And so uh, the Quran has been watered down for English, been watered down for other uh, languages. But those who read Arabic, who truly understand it and read the Quran and believe it or given over to it by demonic forces, they will, uh, those are the ones you got to be careful of because they're the ones who will take this literally and go out and kill people. And Hamas, which is a version of ISIS, is really bad. And uh, if you guys have heard the news, they're going in, when they first came in, they, they killed a lot of uh, babies. They, they killed children. And, um, uh, so Israel, 
is going to take care of it. Israel is very organized and they live in a hotbed. They have their guards up all the time. They have a well-trained military and they will clean house. Now, Egypt said that if America gets involved, then Egypt's going to have to get involved. This is what I heard in a cursory thing, a statement by the Egyptian ambassador. But, you know, things change pretty quickly. I heard that a couple of days ago, and, and Egypt was trying to warn the United States don't get involved. And so uh, some of the pundits are talking about this kind of thing, and um, could it be the uh, leading into uh, into World War III? Now, it, you know, you never know. I mean, it could because uh, China and Russia are not friends of the United States and they, uh, in their communist, atheistic view, have no problem with uh, replacing godliness and humility with pride, selfishness, and control, which is what those regimes do. That's what communism is. It's, uh, it's an ungodly, uh, antichrist uh, religious movement, even though they say it's not religion, but it is. It's, it's bowing to the state. The state has the final authority. Now, as a matter of fact, it reminds me of something because um, I was watching a, 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 a special recently, the past couple of nights, uh, La Luz del Mundo, that's Spanish for the light of the world, and it's a cult. Denies the Trinity, the deity of Christ, uh, salvation by works, baptism necessary for salvation. It started out of Guadalajara, Guadalajara, Mexico. And um, so the thing that was interesting is, as I was listening to the adherents who came out of it, and we're talking about the abuse, sexual abuse from the leader, and talking about um, mind control and stuff like that. Here's the thing, cults, and you don't think just cults as in religion, but think of cults also in political things, a secular system. And the basic view is like this, a basic analysis can be that people are, think of them as sheep who like to be led around and provided for. And if you get the children young, you can brainwash them. And the idea of cults, as well as political uh, movements, let's just say, some of the bad ones, is to have loyalty to the party. Now you've got to think about that in terms of America with Democrats, Republicans, the loyalty to the to the party, loyalty to the party. In the Nazi Germany, you had to be loyal to the party, the Nazi party. And if you weren't loyal to the Nazi party, as the number one thing to be loyal to, above your God, above your parents, above your children. This is what communism pushes. This is what uh, strict socialism pushes also. And this is what's starting to happen in America, in that if you have individualism, like uh, you have the idea that you want to believe in Jesus Christ over Caesar, over the uh, Biden crime family or the, uh, the FBI that you can't trust anymore, you know, then uh, they might come get you. They might do things to you. You know, we're not quite there in America as much, but it is starting to happen. And there are lots of documentaries, or, or I should say um, incidents, anecdotes, of uh, our, our own government being oppressive towards people for no particular reason. So this kind of a thing is coming. But nevertheless, the idea here of cult behavior is, you know, another thing is called snapping. Snapping is when you have a mental break. It can be good or bad, but it's a, it's a shift, a sudden permanent shift of, of a belief to a belief system. So it can happen, the Democrats are always the best, and the Republicans are always evil, or vice versa. Or uh, Christianity is evil, or atheism is evil, or blacks are evil, or whites are evil, or whatever it is. 
and uh, 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 you can have this snapping phenomenon. It's a psychological phenomenon that occurs along with cults, whether sec- secular or sacred, and uh, is where they just suddenly get convinced of something, and it's very, very difficult to get them out. And then they filter all facts and actualities and potentialities through that worldview. And uh, once you get a person into a cult, it's difficult to get them out. So with Islam, they're taught, many of them, in particular in the Hamas area and some other areas of Iran, they're taught to hate uh, Jews and Christians. And so from the childhood up, now they snap early on. And uh, when adults snap, it's difficult to get them out. So this kind of a thing can happen in religious systems, but it can also happen in secular systems. And when this happens, then your loyalty is no longer to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's to a secular system or a religious system that is secularized, like Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and false religious systems that um, that want your loyalty to the system. You know, I reminded, I, I listen to Catholic radio. Here's a, I'm going quickly because a break's coming up soon. Uh, I listen to Catholic radio and it says, come home to the church, or uh, find, come home to the church, come home to the truth. Uh, the Catholic Church and they associate truth and salvation with their church and this is what happens truth is associated with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the Communist Party or the Socialist Party or it's associated with the uh, the religion of Islam and the Hamas or Isis or whatever it is this happens all over the place and one of the ways to produce this is to dumb down the population to teach them not to think critically this is happening in our schools. They're taught to think emotionally, with reactions, without thinking critically, without using evidence and logic, and uh, the secularization of our media and everything else. And you get people snapping all over the time, all over the place, and you get false religious systems. Hey, how about that for an opening? Hey, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everyone, welcome to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. We have three open lines, so I'm going to hear from you. And if you don't want to call, but you can email me at info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, info at carm.org. And uh, just in the subject line, put like radio question or radio comment. And I'll know to focus on that pretty quickly and easily. All right, let's get to Clarice from North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. Okay. uh, My question uh, is um, I've heard different pastors through the years say that the Abrahamic covenant was unconditional and that the Davidic covenant was conditional and that once Israel sinned and broke the covenants that God had given them, that they no longer had the right to claim that land. And I just wondered what you believe the Bible teaches about that I believe they still have the right of the land because it was a promise of the land in Genesis 15 and 17 where God said to Abraham that uh, he'd give them a certain area and that it would be theirs it would belong to them 
and uh, he says, uh, this is what he says, I will give you, give to you, this is Genesis 17, 8, I will give to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojourners, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I'll be their God. So that's what it says, everlasting. And so the land belongs to mm-hmm. Israel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, okay. not, the, not the Muslims, uh, that uh, false religion. Yeah. Well, I believe that as well. I have just heard from pastors in the past that they believe that once Israel broke the covenant that he gave to the conditional covenant that was given to Solomon, that Mm -hmm. once they did that, they lost their, I guess, rights, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word, their rights to have that which I haven't truly believed that, but I've just heard that, and that's why I wanted your position right. on that. So there's conditional and unconditional covenants, and the uh, the covenant that God made with Abraham is unconditional. It doesn't depend on Abraham's faithfulness. God just says, this is what I will do. And so, for mm-hmm. example, if we were to go to, uh, let's see, get in here. Let's go here to Genesis. 1518, okay. Uh, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, before he was Abraham, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenite, Kenazite goes on a bunch of of groups, and there's no uh, condition there. I'm just doing this. And that's what he says. And so, uh, in Genesis 12, 2, there's a promise of the descendants, and also... Here's something else that they might want to consider. Genesis 12, 3, and God says, I will bless you, uh, I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's Genesis 12, 3. So that's a promise that God made to Abraham. Now, if Abraham broke covenant, or the people of Israel broke the covenant, then is that promise also redacted now? and no longer valid? Well, of course not, because that's quoted by Paul in Galatians 3.8. He calls it the gospel. So for those who say that uh, Abraham, uh, the people of Israel rejected uh, the Messiah and therefore broke the covenant, and there are no more conditions to be that God's obligated to keep by his own word, I would totally disagree with them. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's my only question for... Okay, so those people who say that are often what's called into what's called replacement theology, and you want to ask if they hold to dispensationalism, and or replacement mm-hmm. theology. Replacement theology is well, Israel blew it; the church replaces Israel. That's the short version. Replacement theology. You want to ask that. Dispensationalism is the view, which I do not hold to, but it's the view that uh, God works in dispensations. A dispensation is a, a period of time, usually signified mm-hmm. with the beginning of an ending by certain uh, theological events, like the fall. Uh, the, before that, it was the age of grace or something like this. I forget what they call it. And uh, then after that, the age of fallenness, and then the age of redemption. They have these things. 
and I'm misquoting uh, them, but I've done research on them. I got on my website, and I've got gone through the experts who say this, and, and I don't talk about it very often. That's why I don't have all the categories memorized. But this is what they say, and so they look at, at epochs of time as uh, the dividers between beginning and ending of certain events, and so they're dispensational. So the dispensation of Israel is replaced by the dispensation of the church, things like that. So find out what they're. Mm-hmm their assumptions are, if they're replacement theologians and or if they hold to uh, dispensationalism, okay? Well, do you believe that, um, well, I believe that Israel was God's chosen people in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, and I believe in the New Testament that all of the born-again people that believe in Jesus are the chosen ones. Yes, that's there's what a different, I believe the Bible teaches. Yes, there's it, a different sense. I don't know that that's chosen. related to dispensationalism. Well, uh, okay, there's a different sense of chosen, because the Christians have been chosen, or the elect have been chosen for salvation. Right. That's Second Thessalonians two thirteen, right. Ephesians one four and five. So that's choosing for salvation. But Israel, as a nation, was chosen by God to be a nation doesn't mean all the individuals in that nation were then chosen to be elect. So there's two different senses of being chosen. So God chose generically the nation of Israel to do certain things. They messed up a lot. And then individuals are chosen, and they, uh, they're they going to be eternally saved. But they still mess up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Hang around with me. You'll find that one out. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well... I just, for, for myself and my mind, I just, um, you know, I believe what, what you teach and what the Bible teaches, that God's chosen elect before the foundation of the world. And yeah. I just sort of, in my mind, I compare it to, you know, in the Old Testament, he chose Israel, and he had them slay everybody else, everybody and in the New Testament, he chooses his bride. And yeah. that's kind of, but I know the Jews are part of that. You know, they're Jewish people, say, all nationalities. But mm-hmm. um, that that's my comparison when I'm, you know, trying to get a point across about the elect. Because people mm-hmm. have a hard time in some of my circles comprehending, you know, well, God had an elect people or chose somebody to be elect and then they get into the thing, well, did he choose them to go to hell? And I don't want to get into that with you now, but I'm just making a point. Right, just think of this. We've got to break it. Think of this. God chose nation as a group and he elects individuals for salvation. Okay? Okay, great point. Thank you very much. All right, well, God bless. Thanks. Hey, folks, we have wide open lines. Give me a call, 877-207-2276. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. You can... Give me a call right there. You can also email me if you want, info at karm.org, info at karm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. Just put in the subject line, uh, radio question, or 
uh, radio comment and I can get to them. All right, let's get to Valiant from Northeast Indiana. Hey, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Awesome. So you you just said you don't, uh, I guess, hold the dispensationalism or, um, no. you know, replacement or covenant theology. No, I'm a covenantalist. And I, was just, I don't hold a replacement. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, I'm pretty ignorant on this whole matter. I was just kind of curious what, I guess, yeah, what are your views? What do you think? You know, Israel's, uh, you know, what what, are they, what does God still have them chosen for? Or just, yeah, I was kind yes. of curious to your perspective on it. Sure. So there is the view that uh, the Christian church has replaced Israel. And so if you go to Romans chapter 11, starting at verse uh, 25, it says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So, um, uh, I'll read the next little bit too, because it's kind of interesting. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but for the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And so, I don't believe God's done with Israel. And uh, they blew it with uh, the rejection of the Messiah. They've had all kinds of problems for centuries because of it. And uh, when the time of the Gentiles is done, then Israel's going to awaken. And so that's what I see in Scripture. He's not done with God's not done with Israel. So you think when Paul says all Israel will be saved, you think that's referring to all ethnic Israel? Yeah, I think uh, this is my opinion. I'm not an expert on this, but I I believe that, uh, or lean strongly to, I should say, uh, that the Israel will be converted nationally. Jews all over the world are going to convert, and the 144,000 male virgin Jews are going to go out preaching and teaching. And that's what the Bible talks about, uh, 12,000 from every tribe. Now, there's different interpretations, I'll grant, but that's what I, I see it as being. God's not done with Israel, and he's going to bless them. That's my opinion. Okay. And so, I mean, yeah, I guess obviously the Jewish people are kind of scattered around the earth now. Yeah. Do you, you think even their country, you know, the land has significance too? Absolutely. As we were talking about in uh, the previous caller, uh, Genesis 17 talks about the land that is given to Israel and by uh, to Abraham and his descendants. So, I'll give you to you and your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, and I'll be their God. He says, uh, and so it's a, it's a not it's a non conditional one. It's just to be given by God to them. He says as an ever, everlasting possession. And I'll be their God. You shall keep my covenant, etc. It's my covenant. You shall keep between me and your descendants. Every male to be circumcised. They're still circumcised, and they're males for one thing. But the land belongs to Israel. That's it. The Muslims are wrong. Okay. Yeah. You there? Okay. Yep. Okay. I, yeah, I'm not not looking to argue. I'm just curious. So. Yeah. That's okay. It's just my view, and uh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm, I've been corrected before, and uh, I'm and, sure a lot more is coming. 
And what, so you called that, you'd call that, what kind, What would you call that kind of theology? Covenantal theology. You? Just covenantalism. Yeah. Okay. Now, you got to understand, within covenantal theology, you have dispensational-leaning people. Within dispensational co- theology, you have covenantal-leaning people. So if you were to say, on the one side, pure dispensational, on the other side, pure covenantal, you know, dispensational, God works only in certain dispensations, not covenantally, and then covenant might say the far, far side, you know, only covenantally, not with dispensation. And then you can, and they're all Christians, but uh, then you can kind of blend it towards the middle. And there's people all along that line in different views. It's just how it is, yeah. you know, so... Uh, you know, you can't trust a guy in a sure. radio named Slick. So you got to do your own. <laughs> I guess my, uh, I don't know if I'd heard this or but I kind of thought that, um, yeah, I guess I kind of subscribed to replacement theology as far as that the church was not necessarily replacing Israel, but it was kind of just a new like continuation of those promises. Yeah, I see that too. We're doing what Israel is supposed to be doing, but yeah, but. Don't get too proud, Mr. Christian, you know, that kind of thing, you know, because he's yeah. not covenantally done with Israel. And when he, he, he awakens Israel, oh, boy, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. So uh, I'm looking forward to that if I'm around still. I'm getting old, you know, getting really <laughs> old. So, you know, who knows? But I'm going to try yeah, to stay around as long say, as I can. Go ahead. Heard you, how, or you see, you're like 67 or something? Yeah, I'll be 67 at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, but I keep myself in shape because my stomach muscles are in really good shape because I, I go into the you know, the bathroom in the morning and look in the mirror and I flinch. And uh, it just tenses everything up. And it, it gets, you, uh, gets you in shape. So that's what happens, you know. And uh, so I'm in good shape that way. You know, yeah, that's so. funny. I heard you. I heard you mention that the other day, and I couldn't uh, couldn't believe it. I thought you sounded a lot younger than that. But yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm really blessed uh, because we don't have anybody waiting. But I took my wife to the doctor today, and I'm walking. I mean, I, I, I stand up straight. I walk quickly. I don't have any aches and pains. Uh, I can run, jump. Uh, you know, I work out at the gym. I mean, I, I'm just very, very, very fortunate uh, that I'm in such good shape at my age. I could, I could go out and watch, walk five miles. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be exactly a breeze, but I can do it. It's not a problem. I can walk five miles right now. So, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm very blessed, and I want to be able, and I'm still mentally awake most of the time. I still have a good brain going, and I want to just use it for the glory of God as much as I can. So there you go. You know, that's it. Yeah, now, sounds great. Well, yeah, there, there are, there are people, however, here. there are people who, are, who say that I don't act my age, though. And usually, <laughs> it's a 12 to 15 range, some of them said. But, you know, that's just what it is. What do they know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. They're wrong. So there you go. All right. I have noticed that the, the people calling your show kind of either love you or hate you, it seems like. <laughs> that's that's <There's> usually, a... <laughs> usually how it is. Well, when you're right so much like I am, uh, you can see why people don't like me. You see? So. <laughs> All right, oh, man. man. Well, hey, thanks for having me on. All right, man. See you. God uh, bless. Yeah, have a good one. Okay. Now, as you guys could tell, I like having fun, okay? I'll make fun of myself, and I'll just say stupid stuff like that. Um, you know, like I'll talk to people, and I'll say, that's right. You know, they'll say, Matt, you know this, you know that. You go, don't forget how humble I am. 
I'm saying is, people don't say it. I have to remind them. So, uh, you know, a lot of fun. My And my wife, to this day, after almost 36 years of marriage, she still rubs her forehead a lot <laughs> when I'm around her. I wonder why that is. But, uh, you know, she, she, and she makes these weird groaning sounds a lot. So she's got issues. She has got issues, and uh, she needs us to listen to me more. And then she'll be fine, just like me. Hey, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is uh, dial 877-207-2276. Isn't that right, Charlie? You know you know my wife. She should listen to everything I say, right? He's nodding his head. That's right, because Charlie, I've known Charlie for like 43 years, you know, and uh, he's a good guy. And, uh, and so, anyway, one of the helpers we've got, a lot of good guys. All right, uh, let's get to Emias, Emias, Emias from Florida. Welcome, you're on the air. Hi, Matt. Um, so two questions, and you may have already addressed it, but I, I just turned you on. Um, how does this fit into any prophecy with Ezekiel's war? Um, is it a, I know we're in the end times, but is this a sign that we're closer? And how should we be praying for Israel um, from God's point of view? Um, it's a good question. Uh, so what I would say is that the generic idea of Israel being persecuted and the nations coming against Israel is prophetic. Now, there is a prophecy where it says every nation will be gathered against Israel, and America is not against Israel yet. So I would say that since that's not happened yet, um, which is going to, that uh, Ezekiel stuff is not quite fulfilled in what's happening right now. Israel's going to clean Hamas clock, and the world won't like it, but it's gonna, they're going to take care of it. And then uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it won't escalate. Hey, can you hold on? Could we have a break? Okay. Hold on. <laughs> hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. If you want, give me a call. We got three open lines. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the last part of the show. Man, it's gone by quickly. Man, well, you know, quick and slick. Hey, let's get back to Amias. Welcome you back on. Are you still there? Yep, I'm here. Okay. So, uh, anyway, we just kind of hit the break right there. You got any else, anything else you want to add at all? No, just um, how we should pray for Israel right now. Um, yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, and how do you think God wants us to pray? You pray for God's will, for, first of all. Always that God's will will be accomplished and that... You ask God to tell you what his will is and to reveal it uh, better. And we always want to pray for God's will, not our will. And uh, so along those lines, you can pray as best you understand according to the scriptures. God, that you would bless the people that you have covenanted with in the nation of Israel and bring them into salvation and protect them and uh, deliver them. And uh, may even those in Hamas be delivered into salvation through the Messiah. May Israel come to know that Messiah, and uh, the gospel go forth. You know, and just ask God for those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank well, you. God bless. Sure. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. Yes. 
All right. Okay. All right. Let's get to Alberto from Georgia. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air, man. You're all right. Good evening, actually. Now, course, I know you, you don't believe in the pre-trib and all that. Right. But how, do you, how do you explain the way the word caught up in the uh, this uh, first Thessalonians for you know, it's the, easy. Post trip. Yeah, post trip rapture. We're going to go through it. There's only one return of Christ. There's not two. There's not one and a half. He doesn't come down halfway and then return with people. No, that's not in the scripture. Uh, there's just one return, the return of Christ. That, that's how the Bible talks. And so when he, we who are alive, it says, let me put it this way. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is the, 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 when Christ comes back. There is nothing in the scripture that says two returns, or one and a half returns, or a partial return. Nothing like that. It's, just, it doesn't, it's not there. I just challenge anybody, show me where it is. I mean, if you think it comes down to the clouds, kind of gets the people and then goes back up, because this will meet him in the clouds. If this is pre-tribulation rapture, as people like to say, then that means that Jesus comes down in the clouds, because it says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ uh, will rise first. And it says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds. So then that would have to say, if they're going to be, believe in pre-trib rapture, that he comes down into the clouds, we go up into the clouds to meet him, and then we go uh, they go up. But that's a problem. And the reason it's a problem is because of this. When you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 9, after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a, sight, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So just Jesus ascending into heaven. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also, uh, they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking in this, to the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you in heaven will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. That's how he's coming back, is from the clouds. So if First Thessalonians mm -hmm. 4 says, well, the cloud, the preacher of rapture view would have to be, he comes back partway, hovers in the clouds, gets people, and then goes back to heaven with them. Where's that in the Bible? It's not there. It's just not so there. How do you, so how do you, okay. So how do you explain when the Bible talks about when he, he comes back with a vesture and dipped in his side, a thigh with blood, and he's a king of kings, and come back with a white horse, you know, to, right. revelation. Yeah, he's coming back in judgment, mm. and uh, that's consistent with everything happening on the day of the Lord. So look, let me show you something here, okay? And so you go to Second uh, Peter uh, 3.10, and I'm going to read that, and I'm going to go back to First Thessalonians 4, okay? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now there's one day of the Lord that comes like a thief. Okay, just mm -hmm. one, come like a thief. The day will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So the day of the Lord comes like a thief is when the new heavens and new earth are made. Now let's go back to First Thessalonians four sixteen and keep reading. For the Lord himself will descend mm -hmm. from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, as to the times and the epics, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now here it says in the night, but the other one doesn't say that. Now it might I got reasons for that. But the idea is the day of the Lord comes like a thief. That's it. And so mm -hmm. if you look at these verses, you'll see that the rapture occurs the same day that the new heavens and new earth are made. Okay. Mm -hmm. And okay. <laughs> where's pre-trib rapture? Where's the pre-trib thing where they, he comes down in the clouds, stops there, gets people, and goes back up? And you know, it's just—I'm really surprised. Seriously, I'm really surprised that pre-trib rapture stuff is 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 not done with already. I mean, I get it that in the early days of pre-trib rapture philosophy and teaching, that everyone jumped on it because it would fit the American way. You know, we're we're safe, we're secure, we're privileged, and it just fits. Mm -hmm. We're going to be raptured out of here. We're not going to have to suffer. That's just the American way. That's how we understand. Well, that's going to be changing, but the, you know, in most people over the world, most Christians are suffering for their faith. America's kind mm -hmm, of, to yeah. some, some degree, an anomaly, but nevertheless. Yeah. So, this is what's going to happen, and where is it that uh, there's a, the pre-trip stuff exists? Well, when you look at Scripture, you know, two men in the field, one is taken, one is left. Matthew twenty-four, Luke seventeen. That's not the rapture. That's the wicked who are taken. And, and I challenge anybody to go look at the, the context. Matthew 24, Luke 17, as it was in the days of Noah. You know, two men in the field, mm -hmm. one is taken, one is left. Go take a look. Just go look. 100% of the mm -hmm. time, people say, it's not the rapture. The rapture occurs at this different place. That's about the wicked being taken. It's just that's what, that's what mm -hmm. it tells me. Why is it that people can't get this? How come the pastors aren't, aren't teaching this? It bothers me to no end. Why are they going on and teaching something out of those verses? You know, two men in the field, one is taken, one is left, that's the rapture. It is not. And they can't even get it together enough to figure that out. That, that scares me. What else are they missing? You know, they're putting the Word of God under their traditions. Oh, yeah, that, that scares me. So, so, so the, 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 Jewish, in the Jewish concept in Jesus' day, they understood it like you understand it, right? I don't know if they did, uh, but I'm just telling you what I believe out of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I've had debates with people in pre-trib, you know, friendly stuff. You know, I hope they're right. I really do. Mm -hmm. But I show them stuff, and they're like, "Wow, I never saw that before." And I, go, I know, I, you know, it, you know, it, and and it's just I wish people would get off, just get off this stuff. And start believing that uh, we're going to be going through persecution, and that we need to prepare mm -hmm. ourselves. And we need to be seeking the will of God mm -hmm. in all of this, and not not have this escapist mentality where we become apathetic about the world around us. We're supposed to be out there uh, preaching and teaching and evangelizing mm -hmm. and s supporting missionaries in this country as well, supporting churches. And the churches should not be sitting there stinking, uh, playing Bethel music and all this other crap music that goes in because of these heretics mm -hmm. and making people feel good, babysitting them with a hammock theology and make them feel good, and then you go out to the restaurant and you get served. Come on. Yeah. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily I mean, and follow well, after me. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. Here in Savannah, I don't, being honest, I'd be giving out 
you know, paper, Dollar Tree, I buy a pack of 100 pack, note pack, and I write down with your website, and I write other Christian websites, I give them out to people in the bus, mm-hmm. and I'll over the place. And, uh, and the times I've been doing it, I don't see other people doing it. They don't evangelize it, man. They don't, they just don't. That's right. People are not, churches are not doing it. They're not fulfilling right. the Great Commission, Christ. And that's they're because the, the, their love of others has gone cold. That's why they're not out evangelizing. They have love for themselves, mm-hmm. love for their brethren, love for the church, but not for the lost. Uh, and people are going to yeah. hell. And the love of, of the, the believers is largely going cold in that they don't realize yeah. the severity of the eternal damnation that's coming upon the unbelievers. Then we need to get that gospel out. And we need yeah. to be yeah, support ministries that and people who do this. I know I've known I used to know a guy. He his full time, he goes evangelizing, goes to campuses, goes all over the country. We should have churches we should have churches supporting guys like that and girls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. The churches today, the American Christianity today, not, not most of them, they just go to church service, you know, on the Sunday morning or the Wednesday night, mm-hmm. Tuesday night, and they hear the sermon, and that's it, and they go home. Or they go yeah. to the buffet after Sunday service, yeah. and that's it. They don't, they, don't have no, they don't have no concern for evangelizing. Or they're, I guess they're afraid, they're ashamed, or they're apathetic towards the things of God, I guess. I don't know what the real yeah, problem is. No. But there, there are there are people no. who who evangelize. There are people who believe in, in tithing and supporting ministries and churches, mm-hmm. and praise God for them because they're there and there's lots. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. church as a whole in America is failing, and it's failing to do its job. Mm-hmm. They the churches need to band together and have a local apologist that does a circuit through different churches and teaches and teaches people uh, mm-hmm. doctrine and teaches them stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and how to evangelize mm-hmm. i would i've thought about mm-hmm. it with uh, churches to, you know have 10 churches just to, you know support me a little bit if they want and i just rotate uh, sunday to sunday different churches and and do q and a and do equipping you know it's a great mm-hmm. idea but churches don't want to do that because mm-hmm. no we can't cross pollinate we can't have someone in there like you might say something to this church and we <sighs> oh. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. they're too busy with the church, churchy stuff. Churchy yeah, stuff. A lot of churchy stuff, yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think we should be aggressive yeah. as Christians. We should be out there uh, working and, uh, you know, doing things. And there's lots of ways that can be done. And, and moms staying home, having yeah. kids, and raising them for the glory of God is one of those ways. But we need to be aggressive in a polite, loving, godly way in, with our faith in all areas in all areas mm-hmm. participating in the deeds of darkness mm-hmm. that's that's our command from Christ so Christians need to mm-hmm. do it and stop being yep. so stinking yep. comfortable and preach your rapture and their church's nice pew, pews and perfect bulletins and and then coffee cake and everything that makes them <laughs> yeah. comfortable and yeah. you know and I mean the things yeah. are okay and, and I like those things too but you know come on and if you don't feel confident evangelizing, tithe to the church and or ministries that they, they reach out. That's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Yeah, I, I give them all over. I give thousands of tracts, Sunday school books after the they've been used in the class. Came out to people. I mean, all all kind of any kind of method I can reach you with. Give them Good. to people. Put the church phone number or Good or you. write your websites, Christian websites and stuff. Yeah. I mean, at least they get the get exposed or leads to the gospel that's the main thing I don't preach like an, I stay with a bullhorn because 
most people are too busy moving here and there, so I prefer just give them, give them information. That way they take them home when they're on time. They can, you know, all right. oh, there we go. information on their website. There's yeah. the music, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for calling again, man. All right. Thank all right. You. Appreciate it. God bless. God <laughs> okay, bless. Alberto. God bless, man. That was Alberto. He calls Herbert regularly. He's a good guy. Hey, we're out of time. I just heard one of Matt's rants. And if you want to call me, you got to wait until tomorrow. And by God's grace, you will be on the air then. I hope you all have a great evening. May the Lord bless you. Talk to you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.